Well, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the fakers gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck. A Dominion podcast. Hey, it's Adam. Uh, I wanted to give a little bit of an update before we get started with this mini-sode. Uh, it's just going to be Wandering Winter this time. Um, so, uh, as of the last episode, had a startling number of people actually message me, uh, hoping that I got better, and, like, uh, that was more of a response than I really expected, and, it, like, that was super awesome. So, like, thanks to everyone who did that, uh, who was concerned about me. Um, it's been a, a rough couple of months for me health-wise. Uh, my asthma has been pretty out of control. Uh, what that means is that it's, you know, very difficult for me to breathe. And, uh, because of that, it's very difficult for me to do just about anything. Uh, I'm editing the coughs out of this voiceover, but, um, doing a podcast, there's a lot of coughing. You don't want to hear it. And I'm, I'm not going to edit all of it out, especially in a conversation. Like that just doesn't seem like a good idea. I also haven't really been operating in hundred percent mental capacity to the point where like, I can't even really play Dominion without making some really serious and embarrassing mistakes. So I'm, I'm definitely taking a hiatus from that to just try and focus on getting better. Um, the good news is, uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot of doctors, specialists and taking a lot of medicine and I'm on the way towards feeling better. I, I think I'm past the worst of it, but I'm just not back to healthy yet. You better believe once I'm healthy, uh, enough to do a podcast that I'll be doing it. Uh, but for now I'm just going to be editing what wandering wonder puts out. Um, I don't have COVID tested negative for it. Um, which is great because I'm not transmitting it to my family or putting anyone else at risk. But, um, given the way I am, especially with my breathing, um, if I got COVID, that would be a really, really, really serious thing. So I have to be extremely careful. I have to basically not leave the house and it's, uh, it's basically everything I can do to get up and go to work down in my basement every day. Uh, so, so anyway, thanks to everyone who messaged. Uh, thanks to everyone who's still listening. I hope you like the mini-sode. Uh, they're going to be coming out as much as possible, just, you know, not as much as before, obviously, and, and hopefully that's why. Anyway, here's the mini-sode. Hope you like it. Welcome back to another mini-sode of Making Luck, a Dominion podcast. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, a couple of cards, and these were actually prompted by a request from a listener, uh, specifically wanting to talk about cards that got it added to the base set Dominion, um, with the second edition of that, where some cards got re- replaced by other cards, and these are the new cards. So they asked to, to talk about Harbinger and Vassal and Sentry, and I'm not going to talk about Sentry today. Um, I, I know, I think Adam and Jake mentioned some stuff about Sentry at some point. Um, I don't think we've done a full episode on it, but I don't think it's... Uh, well, I thought three things basically would be too much for a single episode. So I just wanted to do two, and I thought, well, Sentry of those is the most meat to it. So we still know that you know Sentry is something that you're looking to hear about at some point, but... For today, we're just going to talk about Harbinger and Vassal. So let's jump right into it. Start with Harbinger. Harbinger is a three-cost action from the second edition of base. It says, plus a card, plus an action. Look through your discard pile. You may put a card from it onto your deck. So the first thing to note here is that uh, look through your discard pile is not something that you can typically do. 
technically by the rules you can't look through it you can just look at the top card of it um you know that's not a very powerful game effect but if you want to know what's in there and you can't remember have at it i guess um more to the point though uh harbinger is what i would call a do nothing cantrip um do nothing cantrips well why are they cantrips because they replace themselves they give you the card back right you have to draw this so it's it takes a card in the back it, from your hand it takes up a card in your hand that's what i'm trying to say it takes up a card of hand space you have to draw it but it gives you the card back because when you play it you, you draw another card and then also it takes an action to play but it gives you the action back so it gives you the the stuff back right that you have to the, the cost of having it in your deck you get back when you play it that's what it means when i say it's a cantrip so that's the cantrip part of do nothing cantrip. The do nothing part is because it does nothing. Um, now technically it, it doesn't do literal nothing, right? You got to look through your discard pile and put a card from it onto your deck, but that's a very minor effect, which is why this is a weak card. Um, if a card does nothing, uh, if it's a cantrip, it's unlikely to hurt you very much, but if it's a do, a, a do nothing, it's unlikely to help you very much. So this is, you know, like one of the most watered down cards in the game, it doesn't do much positively or negatively for your deck in a big, big percentage of situations, which is why I would rate this as quite a weak card, but if you, for whatever reason, decide to get it, you know, 60% of the time, you're maybe not hurting yourself too much. The biggest thing that you're hurting yourself with in getting a Harbinger is the opportunity cost, right? Every Harbinger could have been some other card. It could have been a silver, could have been any other, you know, three cost or two cost probably. And so not getting that other card might be a real cost, but actually adding the Harbinger itself, not a big cost. Um, having said that, it is largely a do-nothing. Uh, you know, Harbinger is one of the cases that's actually closest to the actual do-nothing cantrip. But there are some cases where you might want to get it. There are some things that it does, and... Uh, we should talk about that. So let's do that. Um, naturally, there's some cases where you just want to add cantrips to your deck because having more actions in your deck or being able to play more actions on your turn are nice things. We're talking about Conspirator. You want to activate it. You need to play actions before it that aren't terminal. Harbinger is there for you. Um, you know, Peddler, you want to have more actions in play so that Peddlers can be cheaper. Harbinger is there for you. Uh, maybe there's, I don't know, Citadel. You want to have more non-terminal actions so that you can start your turn with one. Harbinger is there for you. Right? There's all kinds of things that like that where just like sticking any cantrip in your deck is, is useful in some situations. Uh, so there's, there's all those situations and all those are true for Harbinger or any other do-nothing cantrip. Um, but really we want to talk about, okay, yeah, but that's not really to do with Harbinger. That's about it being a cantrip, right? So, so what are the special cases where Harbinger itself has some actual value as opposed to just basically being a cantrip? Well, you have to look at the ability for that, right? Look through your discard pile and you may put a card from it onto your deck. For that to work for you, you need a few things to be true. First of all, you need a card in your discard pile. And more to the point, you need a card that you want on top of your deck to be in your discard pile right now. 
you need to have a card in your draw pile, at least one card in your draw pile, so that when you play the Harbinger, you don't trigger a shuffle, which then disallows Harbinger from, right? If you're at the very bottom of your deck, you play a Harbinger, you trigger a shuffle, that card is no longer in your discard pile. That's what I'm saying you need to try to avoid. And you need to have the Harbinger at the right time. You need to have it at that point in time where there is that card in your discard pile and you want it to be on top of your deck. Um, it's asking a lot, actually. And the important thing here is that usually the reward is pretty small. You're just like changing the order in which you draw things, which sometimes is important, but often doesn't really matter that much. So uh, there's a few things that, uh, because you need all those things to be true, um, there's a few things like you need a big enough deck that you're likely to have a good card in the discard, that you're likely to, to draw this without being close to triggering a shuffle, um, and that you haven't drawn your deck every turn, right? If you're drawing your deck every turn, there's nothing in your discard. Even if it is a big deck, there's going to be nothing in your discard. So, yeah. Um, having said that, there are some situations where this effect can be good. Um, first one that I want to talk about is uh, a large, probably very junky deck where you're not drawing a lot of cards, right? Um, that way, you maybe have a few really good cards, and you can actually, if you have a very large, very junky deck, you can theoretically play those few really good cards multiple times within a shuffle, right? So that's a really good effect. Um, however, you need quite a large deck, right? If you're just uh, at your starting deck, that's 10 cards, you add a, a Harbinger and a good card, your deck is junky, but in order for everything to go right, you need to have the good card on the first turn of your shuffle, you need to have the Harbinger on the second turn of your shuffle, and even then, the new card is just at the top of the next shuffle, so you're not really playing it multiple times a shuffle. So you need to have like 20-plus card decks or bigger for this to even have a reasonable chance of working in these cases. So that's quite rare, because if you have thinning, if you have good deck control, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to happen very much. But it does come up sometimes, and the, the biggest case that I can think of this is like Mountebank games, right? Mountebank gives you multiple junk cards. If there's not a way to trash or if there's a good way to thin uh, cards out of your deck, your deck can get very big very often. The Mountebank itself is much more valuable than like most of the rest of the cards in your deck. So Harbingers can be really valuable here, right? You get two or three Mountebanks. After that, Extra Mountebanks can lead to collision. Harbingers can can get to getting better than the Mountebanks. Well, usually it's probably not better than an extra Mountebank, but the biggest point is, of course, that Harbinger is a lot cheaper than Mountebank. So you can get a Harbinger as a pseudo-extra copy of Mountebank uh, in those cases um, where you don't have to pay five for it. You can pay less for it. Um now, it's usually not as good as Mountebank because you still have to draw it in the right order, right? You have to draw the Mountebank first and then the Harbinger and not have it be too close to the top or bottom of a shuffle. Um, but there are some upsides of, of, besides just being cheaper, of Harbinger with Mountebank. 
One, like I say, you can't get the terminal collision as often, or you can play it around it a little bit more. Two, in these kinds of super junky games, maybe you get a gold or two at some point eventually. And at some point, maybe sticking the gold on top of your deck over and over is better than sticking the mountebank on top of your deck. So you can switch tactically, uh, either, either as the game progresses or tactically in a particular situation. If you're tracking your deck really well, you can switch what you're putting on top. So that's one thing, and that doesn't just have to be Mountebank. Mountebank's just like the stellar example of it, but big, junky decks where you'd like to play a couple of key cards more often. That's one place that Harbinger can, it's not really even shine, but do some actually good work for you. Um, another case that can come up is with the events Demand or Summon. So this is very much a tactical thing where Maybe you are drawing large parts of your deck or large parts of your deck most turns, but you don't necessarily draw your whole deck and trigger a shuffle every turn. At the end of your turn, then, you can demand or summon a Harbinger. If you have a big enough draw pile left, uh, at the start of your next turn, you can play a Harbinger. You have good cards in your discard. You know for sure they're going to be in your discard because you knew what your deck was at the start of the previous turn, right? So you could set that up to where most of your good cards are in your discard, and then you play at the very start of your turn a Harbinger, stick the card that helps you kick off on top of your deck, and then go from there, right? Uh, and this this is one of the cases where demand is actually you know better than can be, and I think is probably better than summon in a lot of cases, because you get to play the Harbinger first, and then you get to play the horse afterwards, Uh that lets you be okay if you had fewer cards in your draw deck to start with, for one thing, but also you for sure get to draw the card immediately, right? This is one of the problems with Harbinger in general, is sticking the card on top of your deck doesn't stick it in your hand like Mountain Village does. Uh, but if you have other draw cards, or other draw cards is maybe not the best term, cards which draw you cards or add cards to your hand from the top of your deck, um, Harbinger likes having being in the same hand with one of those uh so demand and summon it's it's very tactical but but look for uh, harbinger as a card to demand or summon in the mid to late game in, in certain circumstances um maybe the best synergy maybe not but one of the better synergies uh apart from what we've just talked about is rebuild so the standard rebuild deck where you're just trying to play rebuild as much as possible to turn your estates into duchies into provinces and then get provinces out of the supply and destroy points uh, to try to end the game. Uh, That deck usually isn't going to have the money to be able to buy province, so you're not really aiming to do that. Um, That deck, silvers get diminishing returns because after you're hitting five, you're not going to be able to hit eight and they get in the way of finding your rebuilds. So having just cantrips is generally fine. But in particular, Harbinger is pretty good with Rebuild because Rebuild spills a lot of cards from your draw deck to your discard pile. Um, So you could play a Rebuild, get a bunch of cards into your discard pile, and then play your Harbinger afterwards and have a good chance of putting a good card from that discard pile that you spilled over with the Rebuild, that you skipped over, you revealed and put in your discard pile on top of your deck. Also, Rebuild is a deck which really wants to play a very small number of its cards very often, specifically the Rebuilds, right? So 
Harbingers let you do that. They let you play the rebuilds more often. Now, Harbinger is not like a title shift to rebuild, like, oh, well, I was definitely not considering rebuild before, but Harbinger is on the board, so I definitely have to go. It's not like it speeds you up a turn or something, but like a turn is kind of a lot in the rebuild deck, right? Um, so it, it helps rebuild pretty well, especially because it tends to not help the non-rebuild thing near as much. So rebuild is definitely something to watch out for with Harbinger, or Harbinger is something to watch out for on rebuild games. Um, then there's a handful of other cases where it might look like Harbinger can do something, and I guess it does technically not nothing, but it's like even when you're thinking about it, it's more cute than actually good. So, like, Scavenger. Scavenger is another card, kind of like Rebuild, where you stick cards from your draw pile into your discard pile. So, hooray! You can play a Scavenger, and then you can play a Harbinger after that, and there will be a card on top of your deck, so you're not triggering the shuffle, and then you can stick the next card on top of your deck. But the thing is, like, Scavenger already had the thing where it was finding the one card for you, so you don't need Harbinger also. Like, Harbinger is non-terminal, but you had to play the Terminal Scavenger first, and also, like, you've put two pretty weak cards in your deck, and together they get you the effect of, like, kind of top-decking two cards, kind of, sort of. And you had to have a village before. Like, it's a lot of setup for a very small payoff, especially given that, like, Scavenger by itself basically has the same payoff. You already apparently have a village. So, like, I guess it's not technically nothing, but it's really thin, thin uh, value there. Um, some other situations where you might think, right? Oh, I can do gain, and then I'm going to trigger a shuffle. Fantastic. The problem is, um, like, couldn't you gain and play a better card than the Harbinger, right? Like, there's a similar issue with, like, I have a six schemes, and so I can stick a Harbinger back with five other cards, and then I play a Harbinger, and I stick a good card on top of my deck. Great, that's a nice effect that helps you like kick off the start of your turn. Um, that sounds nice, but you had six schemes. You don't need that effect. You could had that effect already from the schemes. You put the card directly there. So like the gain and play thing just doesn't doesn't really come up, right? Um, the scheme thing doesn't really come up. So yeah, sad. Um, there are a handful of cases where actually specifically instead of wanting to draw the card now you want it on top of your deck in particular right you still have to have the card in your discard pile so this is actually also still very thin because that's usually the biggest problem with harbinger well the biggest two problems are opportunity cost and you need to have the good card or whatever card it is that you want in your discard pile to start with but it can happen like right tournament oh i discarded my province to my tournament and so now i play a harbinger and I can stick the province back on top of my deck. Yeah, you can. That's not nothing. But, like, it's incredibly small value that you get all of these things lined up. And, like, Harbinger is still mostly a do-nothing there. Um, there's similar tiny cases with Zombie Mason or Chariot Race, where you want to stack the top card of your deck, Mystic, that kind of thing, right? Um, the only one that's, I think, really worth noting in this kind of scenario is Scrying Pool. So you want to stick an action on top of your deck with with the Scrying Pool afterwards. So then the Scrying Pool comes into an, a an action card and you draw a lot of cards, right? So that's nice. Um, but the reason why it's actually 
vaguely important on Scrying Pool. Well, there's a couple reasons. One, Scrying Pool just likes having extra cantrips in the deck because it helps Scrying Pool draw more cards. And not just more action cards, but more non-action cards too. Um, but also, if you're going for Scrying Pool, there's a good chance your opponent's going for Scrying Pool. If your opponent's going for Scrying Pool, they will maybe skipping, uh, discarding good cards off top of your deck, like good action cards, like other Scrying Pools. So you are more likely to have a, a good card that you can stick back on top of your deck. Um, and, and branching off from that, one of the other uses for Harbinger, not so much with other cards, but against other cards, right? So there's uh, Rabble or cards like that, right? Fortune Teller, but who's really getting Fortune Teller? Um, hexes, there's a couple of Hexes that make you discard stuff. Um, and so Harbinger is like some small value against, uh, against those kinds of attacks because you are more likely to have good cards in your discard pile, even at the start of your turn, even if you're drawing your deck. So that's, you know, a slight use case for Harbinger. But even this is pretty small, and overall the card is just very, very weak. Um, yeah. Uh, it's not, uh, like, never add this to your deck week. Like I say, it's a cantrip, so it, it can't be that bad. Uh, I guess the, uh, the uh, one other thing I want to note about Harbinger is that if you have multiple Harbingers in your hand at the same time, they quote-unquote kind of loop to where you play a Harbinger, you stick a Harbinger from your discard on top, you play this next Harbinger, drawing the Harbinger that the first Harbinger set up, you stick another Harbinger from your discard tech on top, and you can basically play all the Harbingers that were in your hand or discard pile uh, just from having two to start with. This is a thing you can do. This uh, doesn't matter almost ever and hardly ever comes up. Um, I, I think I've seen it come up uh, maybe two or three times, maybe more than that, but like two or three times where it was relevant. Um, because normally, like, there's not much advantage to doing that. The biggest reason why I might think there might be advantage to doing that is if you have uh, one of those adventures tokens on the Harbinger pile. So, like, you've stuck Pathfinding token or Training token or something on it, then you might want to be able to play them all every turn so right like your deck is huge and junky and you got a bunch of harbingers and you trained the harbingers and now because you have a couple you can play a bunch every turn you did it i mean you didn't really do it because your deck's still junky but uh i guess that's something that um once in a you know ten thousand games will will come up for you but i think that about does it with with uh, Harbinger. Let's move on now to talking about Vassal. So Vassal is also a card from second edition base. It also costs three and it's also an action. But it says plus two money and then you discard the top of your the top card of your deck. If it's an action card, you may play it. This card has a, a lot more upside than Harbinger. It also has some more downside, right? So Harbinger is a cantrip. It hardly ever hurts your deck. Vassal is not a cantrip. It's It doesn't necessarily draw you a card. It needs to hit an action to do that. It also doesn't uh, necessarily give you the action back that you spent to play it. You need to hit an action to do that as well. So uh, more upside and more downside. 
Okay, great. Um, if you do hit an action card with it and play that action card, effectively what you've got here is plus two money, plus a card, plus an action. Plus a card because technically you didn't draw the card, but you did play the card, so that's as good as drawing it and playing it. And plus an action, again, technically you didn't get the action, but you played the card, which is mostly as, as good as playing it. Um, there's some edge cases, and there's some edge cases with Harbinger I didn't bring up either, but there's some edge cases where it's not quite the same, you know, Snowy Village or whatever. Uh, Harbinger, there's the other edge cases would be maybe like horses and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, um, but the the good case on Vassal where it's plus two money, plus a card, plus an action, that's colloquially sometimes called a Conspirator, after the card Conspirator, which is, I think, from Intrigue, which does that. Um, mostly what Vassal does is aspire to be a Conspirator like that. Uh, it's cheaper than Conspirator. Conspirator costs four. And I think it's generally harder to activate Vassal than it is to activate Conspirator. Conspirator, you need to play two actions before it. Vassal, you need to hit an action card. So I think that's generally a little bit harder, although that's not necessarily always 100% of the time harder, right? Um, another big thing to note, though, about Vassal is, okay, but there's some cases where you don't hit actions. You do still skip the card, which is, in general, a good thing. It's not always a good thing, but in general, it's going to be a good thing for you. Why? Well, usually the good cards in your deck are action cards, and the bad cards in your deck are non-action cards. So if you flipped over a card and it wasn't an action card, it was probably a below-average card that you skipped. So that's, you know, positive, quote-unquote, cycling. Um, so that's typically uh, a good thing, but it's not always a good thing. Sometimes you've got, like, a vampire in your deck or a counterfeit in your deck or something, and then it's not, not necessarily a good thing for you. Um, the biggest thing with Vassal isn't so much combos or, or anything like that. It's more being able to facilitate the play patterns for it well, right? You want it to hit action cards. That's really the name of the game. Um, so sometimes you can set your Vassal up with another card to be a guaranteed hit. Hey, Harbinger can do that, right? Oh, you, you play a Harbinger, you stick an action card from your discard pile on top of your deck. Now you know that your Vassal's going to hit it. Boom, great. Um, the thing is, it's usually not going worth going out of your way to do, right? I've spent two gains getting the Harbinger and the Vassal, and together those two cards were like two Peddlers, which... Hey, two peddlers for three is nice, but you also had to draw them in the right order at the right part of your deck. There's a lot of setup costs to get them to be two peddlers, which is a good payoff, but not for as the amount of work that you had to do, right? Um, normally, you don't want to go out of your way to set them up, but there are some cards that you might have in your deck already that help you set Vassal up, right? Um, you can think of things like Apothecary or Sentry, or Wandering Minstrel, right? Those set up, can set up actions to be on top of your deck, and that's what, what Vassal wants. Um, kind of nicely, Vassal actually only needs one card on top of your deck. A lot of the other cards um, where you're trying to set up your deck, you need multiple cards, right? Like Wishing Well, you need to have multiple cards after you play it on top of your deck to be able to wish correctly, right? Uh, with Vassal, you just need one. So you can do it with 
you know, something like Ironmonger, where you reveal the top card of your deck, and so then you know when to play the Vassal, because, oh, I know right now there is an action on top of my deck. You can do a City Gate at the start of your turn, right? You've got six cards, one of them's a Vassal, the other five, you just need any action, hopefully a non-terminal, to stick on top of your deck, you play the Vassal first thing in the turn, boom, there you go, right? Great. Even something like Vagrant, you can see the top card of your deck sometimes. It's not... Like, these things aren't Mondo combos, but they're nice little synergies that, that can help you out when you're playing Vassals. Um, having said all that, though, usually the way you want to try to help your Vassals out is to just have most of the cards in your deck be actions, so that when you play the Vassal, it's you're playing it blind, but it's more likely to hit. Because it's terminal if it misses, you don't want to rely on this too much, and you're going to need to have some villages so that you can not be totally dead on actions if if you miss. Um, the other thing to note is that if you've drawn your whole deck, then the Vassal has nothing to hit, and it's just a terminal silver. So you probably want to play the Vassal earlier in the turn, unless you have gain-and-play stuff. So if you have some kind of a workshop variant where you draw your whole deck and then you play a workshop and you gain an action, you can then vassal afterwards. And because the only card in your discard pile is that action, you're guaranteed to hit. So that's something that can come up, and that's a nice little synergy for vassal. You still tend to not want too many vassals, though, because uh, like you can't do that so many times, usually. Sometimes you can use vassal to trigger a shuffle that's favorable for you. Like, uh, it's similar to the gain-and-play scenario, but you, instead of doing gain-and-play, you do gain-and-don't-play, because what you've gained are, like, a few villages or something, and maybe a draw card, and you want to have most of them still stacked on the top. Something that's really important to note for that situation, and occasionally for other situations, is that if you reveal an action, you don't have to play it with the Vassal, right? Um, so, right, in that situation, you don't want to play the village that you spill into because you would draw a card then and you want to leave as many of the other cards on top of your deck as possible. Um, more to the point, though, like, if you hit a remake or something and you don't want to remake stuff that's in your hand right now, you just not play the remake. Or um, if you... You know, same thing with other kind of trashers, mostly. That's mostly what this comes up with. Um, you don't have to play them if you hit them with your vassal. either. And, and, and so trashers is the big thing, but any card that you might want to play later in the turn or that would have a bad effect for you right now, it's also true. Just keep in mind that you can, you can uh, skip it. Uh, there's a few other things to note with vassal in particular before I want to give a, a general comment on the card uh, as a wrap-up. Um, but there's some specific things. Because Vassal does specifically discard cards, it can activate your tunnels. This should come up approximately never for you, because a uh, tunnel is not a card that you really want in your Vassal deck. Um, like You often don't want it in any deck. If Vassal is the way you have to activate it, that's like pretty sad um, but you know tunnels and golds aren't actions for your vassals to hit so that's not really where you want to be usually 
So I don't know. Maybe you maybe you will have a tunnel in your deck because like you needed some points or something. I don't know. Maybe it comes up once in a trillion games. Probably more often than that. But uh, I don't think you should really uh, uh, build a game plan around that. But I guess you know note that it can happen. Um, more importantly, though, you've got Faithful Hound and Village Green. You can discard those with your Vassal, which lets you do both the play them with the Vassal and react them, um, which is just really nice uh, to get both effects. It's a weird rules quirk. You can look it up. You can do it. Um, so those cards play particularly nice with Vassal, but... Again, it's usually not really worth warping your game plan around. Just like, uh, oh, that's a nice synergy. Um, I don't know, occasionally it can come up. Uh, something you can do with Vassal also, if you can discard a bunch of them, I don't know, with a Vault or something. I don't know why you would need to do this. Say you've drawn a bunch of cards, you could discard, you have six Vassals in your hand. You discard five with your Vault, and then play one Vassal, and they'll all chain into each other. Um that mostly just makes you a ton of money. And if you had a vault or something to discard all these cards anyway, like, how good was it? But they do chain into each other if you have a few of them, I guess. Just uh, still all the same issues that Vassal normally has. Um, So then there's the question of how good is Vassal in general. And you'll get some varying responses depending on who you ask. I don't think Vassal is that great. I don't like getting it that much don't like opening it very often and the reason is because it's terminal and terminal space for me is a little bit premium right so early on vassals compared to silver on turns three and four like we talked about a vassal skips a card because it wasn't an action that's probably a good thing for you so that would say that on turns three and four vassals probably better than silver and it is probably better than silver if you didn't you know open with another terminal at least um but the problem is, for me, and the reason why I usually don't open Vassal in these situations, is that I'm probably going to want to add more terminals at some point. And at that point, I have the risk of having Vassals collide with those terminals. And I'm afraid of the terminal collision then. And I don't want to have to get extra villages early in order to do that. I don't think the value over silver is so high. Having said that, sometimes it is. Sometimes you do want to do it. Sometimes terminal space isn't so much of an issue. Sometimes your deck is going to be really, really chock full of action cards. And yeah, the Vassal is going to be so much better later on that that you want to get it. Um, So I typically don't... I know there are other people, other strong players, who do like opening Vassal reasonably often. uh, Do like getting Vassal quite a bit more than me. Um, I don't know that it's often the biggest difference but again it's largely comes down to if at some point in the game in your deck you're mostly going to be able to hit with pretty high certainty then the the value of getting the extra card and action off the vassal because you hit something is a pretty big value eventually Uh, it's just a question of whether it's worth taking the the early hit whenever you start to be adding more terminals into your deck and that's a very situational thing that is hard to give a general answer about. Um, but I think that about covers it for Vassal, and it about covers it for Harbinger, so that about does it for this episode, or mini-sode, or whatever you want to call it, of Making Luck, a Dominion Podcast. 
know it was a bit of a short one, but uh, these are a couple of kind of mediocre to poor cards. Um, I mean, they're good cards. Like, most decks, I would take a free copy of them, but they're not, like, stellar. They're not all-stars, and they're not super deep, I don't think. So, anyway, uh, what else is there to say? Leave a comment. Leave a request for another topic. Uh, it could be about a card or a group of cards or a concept or whatever it is that you want us to talk about. And uh, hopefully we'll be back soon with another episode of Making Luck. Thanks for listening, everyone. And stay safe. They wanted to talk about cards which had been added to the base, the the thing that you get when the box says just Dominion with no expansion thing. The base, the second edition of the base cards, not the base. You know what I mean? Because there's like the, a separate thing with the base cards that had. But this is going in the outtakes.